This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Hello, welcome back, friend. Whether you've been here before or you're listening for the first time, I love sharing what we're all about. Finding Something Real is an intentional journey designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, I wanted to create a special place for people to process and address questions about God and life. Finding something real is about finding restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are things I believe we all desire that Jesus Christ has the ultimate answers for. And you see, I don't just believe in Jesus because he's changed my life, although he has. I believe in him because he's radically real. So if you find that all hard to believe, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to just, hey, let's go on a journey together. So today we're diving deeper into season six with a special guest, and I can't wait to introduce him to you. The way this podcast works is a little different from other podcasts. Here, every month, we try to invite a different young woman to share her story, to talk about her questions, and then we invite guests who can address her honest questions or topics brought up from a Christian perspective. So this month, you've been listening to episodes curated by my friend Gracie. In this fifth and final episode of the month, you'll be hearing from a man whose gentle wisdom pursuit of knowledge and deepening love for God and people is inspiring. I don't know when you're listening to this friend, but as of this recording, the world is still a pretty messed up place. In the news this week, reports of war, violence, innocent children dying, despair, blame, and chaos. It's clear our world is not as it should be. My guest here today is going to be addressing a sensitive topic that most people will have to face at some point in their life. In fact, in the process of our talk today, I mentioned having gone through a season in my own faith journey where I was confronted with suffering and I was angry with God. It was a very hard thing and I questioned my faith during that time. In fact, my husband Brian encouraged me during that season when he didn't judge me, he didn't freak out that I was questioning my faith. But when I asked, he gently gave me reasons why he believed. And one of the things that my husband shared is something that today's guest shares about too. He talked about the logistics of good and evil. It encouraged me 15 years ago when I was having a crisis of faith. And the reminder encouraged me this week when I sat down with today's special guest. And to Gracie, who inspired this as well as all of this month's episodes, if you're listening, I want to say thank you again for being honest about your story and questions. Thank you because of you being vulnerable. You've allowed for other people to wrestle through these same issues. I hope you listen to the end where today's special guest shares a message just for you. Now, listener, we'll get to today's episode in just a moment. But if if you like this podcast, here's a couple words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi, friend. 
This is Tara Catherine, assistant producer here of the Finding Something Real podcast. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. So please comment, subscribe, follow, like, share, all the things. And one of the biggest things you can do to help keep this podcast on the air is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love your reviews. Your public feedback is a huge help to show others that we are not alone over here. So will you please do us a favor? As long as you're not driving right this minute, will you hit pause and go write a review? It won't take more than maybe 30 seconds of your time. Maybe you'll even hear your review on here in a future episode. This week, we want to give a special thanks to reviewer Baylor512. Baylor512 says, Janelle is such a genuine person. She makes me want to sit down with a cup of coffee and chat with her for hours. Can't wait to listen to more. Thank you, Baylor512, and thank you, listener in advance, for helping tell others about this podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. Have you ever wondered why, if God is good, there's suffering in the world? If so, you're going to want to listen to today's episode. You are listening in for season six, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. This month, we are featuring conversations with or for a young woman named Gracie. Gracie and I met last summer. If you listened to our first episode, you know that she is a joyful, fun young person to be around. And it was such a joy and privilege to sit down with her and hear her share about her faith journey. In that first episode, which we'll link in the show notes, Gracie shared questions she has about God, and she also shared her story. We spent this past month addressing much of what Gracie talked about and shared in that first episode. Um, But today, we're going to be wrapping some things up here as it's the last Wednesday in March. And we're going to be talking about a question, um, maybe two, um, but especially one that comes up a lot. And in fact, it's probably one that if you've lived any amount of time uh, or lived in this broken world any amount of time, you've probably asked or had someone ask you. And the question is, why does God allow suffering? Here today to talk about that is a special guest. He is a husband, pastor, and father of five, a passionate apologist on the East Coast of Central Florida. 
This man currently serves as chapter director for Space Coast Stand to Reason and the Space Coast Chapter of Reasonable Faith Ministries. He is also the founder and president of Overland Apologetics Incorporated, a new ministry that combines vehicle camping off the grid with compelling sessions teaching tactical ways to understand and defend the Christian worldview. That sounds really interesting, and I can't wait to hear more. Joseph Robinson, welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Well, Joseph, I'm so excited about this because you and I actually met in person, um, what was it, last summer, last July. That's correct. Yeah. Cross-examined. At Cross-examined. Was that your very first time being at that conference, or had you been before? Yeah, that was my second time, actually. Okay. So for those listening who are not familiar with that conference, would you mind sharing a little bit about it? Because you probably could describe it better than me. Sure. Um, so the Cross-Examine Instructors Academy is a it's a ministry, really, of the Cross-Examine ministry. Um, Dr. Frank Turek, he puts together an amazing team of apologists who come from all over the fruited plain. You'll have speakers like um, Jim Wallace, Jay Warner Wallace, as you'd you'd recognize in the books. Um, he has uh, the gentleman, Brett Kunkel from Maven, um, Greg Kokel from Stand to Reason, Elisa Childers <laughs> and Natasha Crane. And there are just, and Sean McDowell, um, Bobby Conway. There's so many individuals, I'm probably missing a few, um, who are there. And it's, um, it's a very neat experience because I really do limit the number of people that can come. So the ratio of, um, instructors as you would say to students is maybe around eight eight or nine to one um so you're having multiple meals with them but if you go to crossexamine.org and you click on events i believe and you scroll on down you'll see cia crossexamine instructors academy and that's where we had the pleasure of meeting and i think we were on the same we were put on the same team weren't we (laughs) well you know what's funny i don't remember if we were on the same team because we weren't i didn't hear you present and just ignore my dogs. I don't know if you can hear them. I took them for a walk right before uh, pressing record here, Joseph. But uh, the doorbell just rang, so they're very excited. Somebody's here, and UPS we're just going to ignore them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I remember I didn't hear you present, but I think we sat down and had lunch with some other people, if I remember correctly. Is, is this not how you remember it? Am I? That is. is I it? do. I do remember it. I, okay. I don't remember it, but I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, it was another podcaster that was in our, that was okay. And, and then, um, I, okay. So I was, uh, for those listening, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, (laughs) I never really considered myself an apologist. I go to this conference. Clearly I, I knew that it was the right place for me to be that God, it was just a divine appointment to be there, but I was feeling a little like a fish out of water. And I decided at the last minute to present, which is part of this whole conference, right? You can present in front of one of these instructors that you admire that are, you know, apologetics is just giving a defense and gentleness and respect for what you believe. And um, and so I decided <laughs> like the day before, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to present. And then I was completely unprepared. Although I had some things, you know, that had been percolating for a while, I didn't have the presentation all put together. I put it all together 
And then I had all these tech problems. And Joseph, you were so gracious. Um, And listener, when I say he was gracious, I don't mean that just like, oh, he was a nice guy. No, no. He like we drove to Best Buy to get I needed a clicker. I couldn't get the PowerPoint to work. So you got up early in the morning, met me out um, in the welcome area of the lobby and like spent an hour trying. I want your wife to hear this, like (laughs) because it was so kind, Um, like trying to figure out what was going on with my computer. My computer wasn't allowing me to um, use the PowerPoint on it. It was just a whole disaster and to the point where you you just said, okay, we're going to figure this out. And if we don't, you're going to use my computer. And that's exactly what you did. Um, I'll never forget that kindness, Joseph. Um, mm. It was so touching. I told my husband, I, uh, I I just felt like it was one of the kindest things um, for you to do. And it was such a, a blessing for me being there, feeling like, oh, do I even belong? And then I was able to give Um, a presentation that I was really proud of. No one knew that I was having all these struggles. Um, And that was just, so thank you. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for that. You're most welcome. (laughs) Yeah. It was an adventure. Yes. Yes, it was very much an adventure. And I'm pretty sure all the all the anxiety was coming out full force. But uh, Joseph, tell me a little bit more about you. I think that this outdoor adventure thing, mixing it with apologetics is so interesting. Would you share a little bit more about that? Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't been in apologetics, really doing apologetics actively for very long, maybe just a few years. Um, but, but when the bug bites you, it, it, it kind of does bite, you. you know, you take the pill and you're, you're down that rabbit hole. And, uh, I, in speaking with, um, with Jim Wallace on one of the times that I was there at CIA, you know, that one of the things he talks about is, well, what's your X factor? What is it that makes you unique or you different, right? What is it that you bring to the table? What is it that you love? And there are two things that I love. I love getting off the grid and going camping. I love overlanding and I love apologetics. So I figured, well, what is don't... overlanding for us people that like the city? Okay. <laughs> so overlanding is when you take any vehicle that can move overland, right? It can be a bicycle, a motorcycle, car, truck, van, and you equip it with everything that you're going to need food, water, um, power, maybe some solar, maybe some batteries and any kind of fun things that you want to bring with you, maybe a kayak, a bike, and you go where you you can't typically go with a vehicle and you get to see places and experience things and you're going camping, but the only people you see are the people that you want coming with you, you know? And a lot of people are beginning really to do this. There's huge conventions and expos, but we wanted to do it with the purpose and that's our tagline. It's adventure with a purpose. We want to get off the grid, but when you're off the grid is we want to enjoy God's creation. But while we're doing that, we really want to teach people how to critically evaluate their faith and trust in Jesus. How, how do we define those things? How do we answer some of the, the pivotal questions that are tripping up, you know, just so many believers and then the young people who are, who are drifting away because we really aren't providing them with answers to, to questions we should we should be able to do that so um that's really what overland apologetics is all about phase one i'm just just continuing to speak we're asked to speak and to do a conference or a young adult group or youth group here and there and then phase two we really want to start going to some of the big expos and just not as a evangelistic thing but just really to say what do you need help digging ditches passing out waters 
you know, digging a four by four obstacle course, you know, but on Sunday, then just having a time of worship and just being available for people to come and ask questions. And then a phase three is we're really looking to get a large piece of property, maybe up in the Carolinas that um, we can have our own expos and we can have our own rallies. But the purpose of course will be, would be is, is the Christian worldview is to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And does it make sense? Is the Christian worldview truly the best explanation for reality? So that's kind of the, the goal. We're brand new. We, we started in January, kicked it off in January. So um, if folks want info, they can just go to overlandap.org and uh, they can learn a little bit on my janky website that I did myself. <laughs> but uh, one day I'll be, well, no, I'll be big and powerful and we'll have this huge ministry and we have a great website and all that good stuff. But for <laughs> Don't now- Don't let him fool you. He's got great tech <laughs> skills. <laughs> but for now, this is that's what we're doing. It sounds amazing. Are you taking people on smaller trips? Is that something that you're already doing or is that part of one of the phases that you're doing? Yeah, that's we're not quite there yet. We're doing some, we're doing a couple of small groups. We have a couple established groups that that go out off the grid and we go together. Um, but really, right now, it's just continuing to um, just honor requests wherever I can, you know, to continue to, you know, have our Tuesday night for chapter meetings for um, reasonable faith and for um, stand to reason. Um, just for those who are wanting to learn more, they they know that the second Tuesday of every month they can come by and and spend time with us, ask questions. Um, and uh, that's really phase one. Phase two, we got to gear up. We got to get at least one vehicle really ready to get off the grid. Um, not quite there. About halfway ready with, with the first truck. But it's, it's coming soon. So reasonable faith and stand to reason. Um, those, I think, have both mentioned on this podcast be- before. But for somebody listening who's not familiar, would you mind sharing about those organizations and what you do when you meet on Tuesdays? Oh, Sure. So Reasonable Faith um, is a is a ministry that's been set up by Dr. William Lane Craig, who's really one of the foremost leading um, philosophers and theologians out there. Um, he's probably most famous for his development of the Kalam cosmological argument, right? One of the many arguments for the existence of, of God, right? The, the Kalam cosmological argument is really kind of a family of arguments that that reason backwards from the existence of a universe to a first cause or a necessary reason. Um, the Kalam cosmological argument was originally um, um, wrote down by a, uh, a Muslim philosopher. Right? Muslims are theists. Do they believe that there is one God? Um, so we can we can align in, in some of those ways. And his was called the Kalam cosmological argument. And and uh, Dr. Craig, you know, stumbled across that and ended up really spending a lot of time developing that. Um, we also have um, Greg Kokel, and Greg Kokel um, really came out of the Jesus movement. I don't know if you've seen the recent movie, uh, yeah. the Jesus Revolution, but you know, Greg Kokel was really got saved around that time in, in California. Um, but he went on to be one of the leading apologists. Wrote um, a couple couple groundbreaking books. When I'm doing one-to-one mentoring on apologetics, probably one of the, the very first book I typically have people read is The Story of Reality, um, his book there. Because apologetics is is the branch of theology that provides rational warrant for the Christian worldview. But the first thing is that it's a branch of theology. So you need to have a basic understanding of what what's, what are the nuts and bolts of the Christian worldview. And The Story of Reality does a beautiful job really describing first God, then man, then Jesus, then the cross, 
and finally the, the resurrection, right? God making all things right. And the story is a story of God's sovereignty, right? It starts with him as king, it ends as him as king. We are welcome additions, but the story isn't about us, <laughs> right? The story is about him. And he really goes into some detail. It's kind of a very basic theological primer. And then, um, and then from there, I'll typically go to either Dr. William Lane Craig's book on guard for basic apologetic arguments or uh, uh, Dr. Frank Turek, um, his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Both are fantastic books on giving you some of the basic tools that you need in your tool belt to answer some of the, probably the four big questions, right? Everybody's got to answer origin. Where, where does everything come from? Where do I come from? Right? Number two, meaning. Do Is there a meaning to all of this that we see? Do I have meaning? Am I an MVP? Do I have meaning, value, and purpose? Right? And then three is morality. We'll be talking about that today, right? Is there such thing as good and evil? And if so, who says? How do we ground it? Right? And the fourth is eschatology, right? Destiny. What's going to happen to this world that we live in? What's going to happen to me, you know, after I die? So those four basic questions have to be answered. And the beautiful thing is that the more I see, the more Christian worldview really properly answers those in a, in a unique and satisfying way. Hmm. Do you find that your average church folk, you know, people that are not familiar with going deeper in the theology, you know, swamp, <laughs> for lack of a better right. term, right? Like deeper in, um, that they're interested or do you have to sell it, um, Joseph? Is it something mm -hmm. that you're getting a lot of people just naturally showing up and they are hungry for more or people like, what? why would I need to know that? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, probably the third book we go through is tactics, right? And that's, um, it's another book by Greg Kokel. It is an absolute must read for those who have the basic understanding of, of apologetics, but it really talks about the character of the individual when you're trying to, your character and what your character should be like when you're trying to share your Christian convictions with someone who, whose convictions don't necessarily align with yours. So what are the ways in which you can move into those conversations in a way that's safe for you but you can ask questions in such a way that really truly honors the person that you're sitting across the table from because you're trying to get an understanding of what it is that they believe along the way you may find okay there's a couple arguments that they're giving that are that are not that are not sound right but many times it's really what i call the nbq what's the next best question you can ask them because um, a lot of times you can you can really have them put truth on the table if you ask the right questions that makes sense rather than me talking at them i'm really having a conversation i'm trying to draw this out of them so i'm trying to i'm trying to win their heart you know first of all um that's what you know first peter three fifteen. you know you've quoted that a couple of times right we're supposed to do this with gentleness and with respect right not compromising truth but with gentleness and with respect and tactics is an amazing tool to really assist you know in fact with doing that what i found is um, it is, uh, it's a horrible analogy, but it's like smoking, you know, <laughs> some people, you know, they, the first time they pick up a cigarette and they're just choking on the thing, but after a while they tolerate it. And pretty soon they're, they're addicted. Right. And this is the way I I've begun to look at theology, right? You can look at theology, right? The study of God, the study of this most high, this omni amazing being, right? You can look at it as like a class, 
But you can also look at it like Peter Parker looks at Mary Jane Watson, right? <laughs> he loves Mary Jane. He wants to know what Mary Jane is thinking about, right? Where she's been, what is she doing? What kind of things make her heart beat? What kind of things don't, right? So to love God, you know, means I really want to know him. And, and when you know him, then the next thing you want to do is make him known. So to be able to communicate that is, is really, really important. And to be able to take some complex things and take the cookies and put them on the bottom shelf for other people to understand, give them a taste of it, encourage them, walk with them, and suddenly the bug bites them. And I got about five guys that, that are very close to me at the church and the bug is bitten and they've walked with me through these three books. And now they are putting it to practice and there's a lot of tears, you know, when they see coworkers and family members and, and just people they come into on a daily basis and they're asking them some very basic questions. And these people are opening up to them in ways they've never, never imagined. And that's, that's the purpose of apologetics, right? Number one, it's to help you, encourage you as, a, as an individual, strengthen you in your faith. Number two, it's to affect culture. Right? We, as, we can learn sound arguments and sound logic so we can, we can call out things that are inappropriate right? and we can vote and lobby for things that are good. But number three is evangelism. I, I, would, I would dare say pre-evangelism. These are the things that we need to move some of these boulders and rocks and glass bottles out of the, out of the way so we can sink that plow in and even have fertile ground for the seed to even fall. So this is really the heart of apologetics for me is just trying to figure out, well, where is this individual I'm talking with in the gardening stage? You know, are we just plowing? That's okay. Are we planting seed? That's, that's okay as well. I might just be watering or fertilizing, but bless God, I may be the one that, that gets the harvest. I may be the one that leads them to Christ. But the beautiful thing is everybody gets paid in God's economy. <laughs> so you don't feel like you have to close the deal right away, right? Or pick the fruit before it's time. Hmm. That's the wonderful thing about it, seeing, um, and I, mostly with men, right? I'm a guy, so most of the time I'm, I'm working with men and some young adults, but but seeing the the change in these men and they're be, just becoming powerful. They're becoming dangerous to the kingdom of hell. And that's that's really, really fun. It's really, really exciting to, 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 to get to the point where you can't wait to witness someone. You can't wait you know, to see somebody in the coffee shop. So yeah, long answer, but that's, you know, that's, that's the heart of it yeah joseph were you always uh tolerating the smoke pretty good was um <laughs> to use your analogy um were you always in love with jesus did you grow up in a christian home has it been an easy thing for you wow yeah um i grew up in a christian home you know i had a fantastic mom and dad you know who did the absolute best with what they understood of the word and understood the scriptures um, um, I, I learned a lot of scripture, but it was, a you know, for me, it was really more of just kind of the club that we were in. It, it was the people I was allowed to associate. We were there when the doors were open. Um, I knew all the things not to do, you know, I didn't necessarily, necessarily know what to do. Um, I knew the rules, but I, I didn't understand any of the whys or the questions behind it. Um, so like most young people, you know, I'm getting ready to go to college and my, my identity was completely wrapped up in a career. I wanted to be an astronaut. You know, that's, that's the only thing. And I did everything in my power that I knew to get there, you know, until 
tragedy struck, right? And I, I realized that I could no longer fly. I could, my, I lost my eyesight, and that just sent my entire world into a tailspin. That was my whole identity of who I was, and suddenly, I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I believed. Um, I had a philosophy class with an instructor who was an atheist, and uh, I fought him the whole way because what he was saying didn't align with the club that I was in. But I, I didn't know how to fight, you know. And you did exactly the wrong thing. You, Greg Coco talks about taking on an enemy who has the high ground and a fortified position, and you're gonna go rush him, you know. And that's like, it's not good. So, um, it was a while until I everything kind of broke down, and I began to uh, just sort of reattend church and began to reevaluate um, what I was, my love for God, and. Um, really began to start studying theology a little bit. And it, it honestly, it wasn't until about two years ago that I really studied. And I had a great relationship with God, great relationship with my kids. Um, I loved eschatology. But it wasn't until about two years ago when my, my daughter, who was homeschool, was reading this book, I Don't Have Enough Faith, Be an Atheist. And she's dropping this knowledge at the dinner table. And I'm like, give me that book. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I blazed through it in maybe a week. And it was, it was on at that point. It was on. So uh, going back to that crisis of, uh, you know, maybe it was a crisis of faith, I don't know, but where you lost your eyesight, that was temporary. Obviously, I mm -hmm. can see you, you can see me. Tell us yeah. a little bit more about that. For somebody listening, um, we're going to be talking about suffering here. Um, was that a time of suffering for you, Joseph? Was that a time where you were like, God, why would you allow something like this? You know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a time of suffering. It was a time of, uh, maybe it was, maybe it was a time of mourning of what you always dreamed, you know, life was going to be like. And, um, you know, I was going to graduate from the Air Force. I was going to cross commission Marine Corps. I was going to fly F-18s. I had all these dreams and then go on to be an astronaut. And it just, it didn't pan out. Um, and then I really had an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was or what things meant. Um, but I would, I can honestly say, I don't know, maybe it's just the grace of God, but I, I've never really been angry at God, really, or, or blamed him for anything. Um, I guess I sort of understood. I I always had that fear, I guess, the fear of the Lord. And um, just to kind of wait on him. And I knew that I was just, you know, I'm just wretched. There's nothing good in this, in this flesh or in this mind. So it's probably my fault anyway. So, you know. I felt it was kind of maybe silly to blame God, but I really wasn't, I didn't have an intimate or personal relationship with him for, for sure during that time. So how did that, how did that become uh, the way that you lived your life? Uh, you said you had a close relationship with God, uh, you know, fast forwarding a few years. Oh yeah. Um, what changed for you? Really? I just, I got into a church that was, that was, that spoke a lot about intimacy with God right? Having intimacy with God. And, and suddenly all those old scriptures that I had began to ignite inside. And I began to say, wow, this is, this is really about a relationship with him, right? And, and there are times when you can actually feel God's presence, you know, and those are, those are precious, you know, when those happen. But um, beginning to learn that there's a God here who really does honor just the smallest steps that you make towards him. And um, I, I, I kind of went after God, you know, wholeheartedly. Um, so that was um that was really the beginning 
and just really getting plugged into a church and just figuring out, hey, what ways can I serve? What ways can I be available? And um, that really is the, the path that kind of started to bring me bring me back into a, a real right relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad, and kind of really just a beautifully restored relationship with my mom and dad, um, my mom and I just were just like firing ice, you know? We just did not get along. I loved her dearly, but, you know, you know, there was, a, my mom came from a home of, you know, every type of abuse imaginable, you know, she, she endured that. And, um, I really learned about forgiveness, you know, truly from her look more as an adult learning the details of, of her background and where she, where she came from and just eventually leading her father, you know, this beast of a man, um, caring for him in his, in his last years and leading him to the Lord, you know, I, that's so far beyond my, my scope of understanding, you know, especially at that time, you know, I can, I can see that now, but her modeling, you know, forgiveness and modeling really love, right. Regardless, knowing that she was uniquely, she was uniquely positioned. She's probably the only one that could have ever had a chance of leading that man to the Lord. And she did, you know, and just seeing that and seeing what she walked through and, you know, as a young man, I, as, as more grown, I began to realize a lot of what she went through and a lot of the things that I thought about my mom were just not correct, you know, and being able to really restore it and really to be able to connect, you know, in, in just kind of a new way mm. and see her for uh, the amazing person that she was. Um. Um, your voice is so soothing, uh, Joseph, that I was like... <laughs> Drifting out there for a moment, even I was like, "Oh yeah, I have that story." (laughs) When I was in grad school for psychology, it was so funny. One of our professors, he's like, "Don't listen to this meditative stuff uh, while you're driving, (laughs) because you can be lulled." So anyway, um, I'll just keep laughing uh, occasionally, so that way, whoever's listening, you're not gonna uh, drift off here. But uh, yeah, you have a very soothing voice; it's very nice. Um, But I was listening and. I guess one of my questions to you, um, we're all going to suffer. I mean, we, we live in a world where, um, you know, death is 100% chance, right? And yeah. um, we all will face that at some point. Um, before we start talking about this in a, a theoretical, you know, apologetics kind of way, which I think sometimes, um, you know, when I, I sit back and I think, okay, if I'm a young woman listening to this podcast, what am I like... I, I want to know if I was Gracie here, right? And Gracie, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I hope that I represent you okay here. But I'd want to know, like, what's been your experience with suffering? And um, before we have this talk about, you know, who God is and why would he allow it, um, what do you know about that, Joseph? Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. 
Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. Wow. Um, I've lived an amazingly privileged life. You know, um, I think just the fact that, you know, I live in America, you know, first of all, you, you look at, I've had the opportunity to minister, you know, many trips to, to Haiti and to, um, Honduras. Um, and you, you get to see abject poverty, you know, and it gives you a grid for, for suffering, not to, not to belittle the things that many people here have to go through, but I, I personally haven't had to, to suffer physically in any way. Um, you know, maybe some ridicule, maybe some emotional, but me personally, um, I've never really truly had to suffer, suffer. That's full, full disclosure. Um, I've seen people walk through some, you know, family members walk through some just horrific things, you know, with everything from, you know, my, my dad died of prostate cancer and my, my mom died of Parkinson's along with breast cancer. And to see what, what those type of things can do to the body is, is, um, it's just, it's evil, right? It's, it's absolutely evil. It's absolutely wrong. Um, I'm just really grateful for, um, just the grace, you know, to, to really listen to what God is doing, you know, during these times, uh, I was, I was fortunate to see people who truly love the Lord walk through these things with grace, you know, and with dignity. Um, but for, like you said, for me, myself, you know, I, my goodness, I, if something bad happened to me, it was probably because I deserved it, you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't necessarily suffering, you know, uh, I had bad days like everybody does, but I, well, losing your, both your parents to some disease like that, I think qualifies you to speak on this subject. Don't you think? I mean, I feel like, I think, yeah, I lost both my dad's parents and my mom and dad in like a four year period. So that was, um, yeah. That was, that was tough. That's right? some suffering right there, I think. Yeah, that was, that's very, very different. I mean, you, you have the peace of knowing that they've, they're all, you know, gave their hearts to the Lord. They all went on to be with him, but, but it's different when you feel the weight as the oldest child, you kind of feel like, wow, all the siblings kind of look to you and you kind of feel the weight of that. But, you know, you have less of a time to kind of grieve and walk through it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but God was so gracious with, even in, even in their passing, um, he was just so gracious for just little things that he did, little dreams that I had and, you know, little ways that he honored those, uh, you know, the, their memories. I think yeah. for my dad, that, that, that was really was a problem with, for me was that I worshiped my dad. You know, my dad was my very first phone call when something went good, right? He was my very first phone call when something went, my, went dad, he was my best friend, you know, and God, God sort of reprimanded me a little bit. You know, it's like, well, yeah, we've taken him home, you know, because he was taking my place in many areas. You know, we talk about difficult things when you have a poor father, but it's also difficult when you have a really, really good father because God says, I want that first place. I want to be your first phone call 
when you're happy. I want to be the first phone call when you're sad. You know, you're still looking for your, your father's approval in these areas, but but I'm your father, He's your brother in Christ. You know, and for me that was such a powerful lesson of of really turning to God in these times of need and in in just day to day things, times of joy and times of sadness is for Him to be my first go to, and that was um that was huge, huge for me. Well, it sounds like you've always had, um, I mean, as far as an adult life, a, a very strong faith. Um, I know when my family, when my husband and I, we, we suffered some losses and I went through a time of just mourning that loss. Um, we weren't able to have kids right away, you know, and we had some losses. And I just remember questioning my faith, you know, like, right. Lord, where are you? Where are you? And I, you know, looking back now, I can see a lot of, uh, you know, this religious mindset. I've, I just recently actually, you guys listen to this podcast, but listen to this other podcast I'm about to tell you about. It's uh, Tim Keller. He just, um, I listened to a sermon that he gave called The Betrayers, and it was so good. And he was just talking about, um, we can have this religious mindset, like Judas, of like, what am I going to get from, from God right. versus a mindset like Mary, um, Mary, the sister of Lazarus going, Jesus, I just want to worship you and pouring, you know, perfume, wasting perfume on his feet, you know, and I was definitely, you know, more of that Judas back then. I was just like, God, I do all these things for you and you can't give me a family, you know, and I wouldn't have said it that way. And um, if I was talking to someone going through that, I wouldn't be as ungracious to say that. But in my spirit, I definitely felt some of that. I was very angry. And um, one thing I will say to somebody who may be going through suffering, you know, there are lots of examples in scripture um, where it shows that God is close to those who are going through hard times. He's close to the brokenhearted. On all you all you have to do is look at the Psalms to see um, a range of human emotions going on um, in terms of suffering uh, with David and wrestling with God and all of that. Um, but Joseph, I want to ask you, why do you think God allows suffering? Wow, that's that's the million-dollar question. I think that's, um, if there's one, um, let's take the emotion out of it for a second. If, say, if there's one argument that you want to know and you really want to be able to respond to as an apologist as a believer this is this is one that you're definitely going to want to be strong in um there are really two sides to this coin um the problem of evil and the first thing it's there's one there's there's an intellectual side of it right um so i i, I want to understand the logic behind it right and what are the best arguments for the allowance of of um suffering and evil in the earth right um we can we can de deal with that all day, but that is way in the back pocket because the first thing I need to make sure is that we're not dealing first with the second part, which is the emotional problem of evil. Um, God, when He created us in His image, right? He He created us with a with a spirit. We are a spirit, right? We live in a body, but we have a soul. That soul is your mind and your will and your emotions, right? your thinker, your chooser, and your feeler. So we're creating his image and we have these emotions. And the emotions are a normal part of the human experience. 
The problem is this virus, the spiritual virus called sin, right? It's ruined everything. It's broken everything. So yes, we're going to have emotions, but these emotions aren't necessarily going to take us to a place of understanding or to a place of truth. So one, we have to recognize the emotions. So I think the first thing is figuring out, okay, what season is this person in that's walking through this, right? Because for everything, there's a season, right? And there's a time just simply to weep with those who weep, to hold them to weep, right? Because that's really, I don't know how it works, but somehow in the supernatural, it allows you to share, to help share somebody else's burden, right? One of the things, big things the enemy wants to do is to make you think that you are the only person who understands, the only one that's going through this. But when you come alongside someone and you weep with them and you spend that time with them and you allow them just to pour out, right? And you're walking with them through the stages of grief, right? And just supporting them. Yet you're speaking truth, but you're not, you're not trying to go into these logical and intellectual arguments. You're just walking with them because a lot of times they're simply not ready. But there comes a time when you can begin to provide counsel, right? There, there's moments of a stability really starts to set in. I think Ryan Dobson's message was great about the Psalms, going through the Psalms and feeling like, you know, this is, David's called a man after God's own heart, right? When Jesus comes back, he's going to sit on the throne of David, but look, look at David pouring out his heart to God, you know, when he's being pursued, the suffering, the, the injustice that's going on. That's an awesome way to look at it. But then asking yourself, well, why, well, why, well, why? That's, that's really almost a form of self-torture because in doing so, we're not understanding and taking into consideration the, the omniscience of God, right? God can look at the situation and he can see every possible path that life may take and every responsibility. So why does God allow some degree of suffering or a great degree of suffering in the earth? That's beyond our ability to understand. So apologetics really helps us sort of rewind and understand who is this God that we serve and understand that he is calling us above all to renew our minds, to have the mind of Christ. Now that is, that's no small feat is in God is saying, I want you to begin to think like I think, spend time looking at how I created this un this universe based on logic, based on fundamental constants and quantities. My, my knowledge is so far superior and I love you. And I ultimately am a God of justice. So you look at your life from starting here and ending here. And you're looking at, this is my life, but God's like, no, I don't have to make justice happen in this small time period here. I've got all eternity to make things right and to make things correct. So understanding this, having a kingdom mindset begins to let you know that, wait a minute, God has a plan that's far superior than anything that I have. And moreover, we have a God who from the from the book of Leviticus, he says, I'm looking at these people coming out of Egypt and they're they're corrupt and they're evil. But this God says, I want to make a way for you to be in my presence. 
you know, he's introducing all these laws and these sacrifices and these rules. Why? Because he's, he wants his people to dwell with him and to be in his presence. And now we have Jesus Christ, his son, and his very presence indwells us. And he goes, look, the only thing that gets fixed is that spirit, right? But I want you to start redoing how you're thinking, right? I want you to evaluate and critically evaluate why you're a Christian. Um, am I a Christian? Because, I mean, one of the things that Gracie mentioned was that she had a great mom and she looked at her mom and says, you know what? My mom's a Christian. This is what she's doing. She's really great. I want to do that. I want to do that as well. I think it's fantastic to pursue a parent who's great. But ultimately, salvation is, first of all, it's recognizing the bad news. Because if you don't know the bad news, you don't have any reason for good news, do you? So if I don't realize that my sin separates me from God and I incur his wrath, that's that's problematic, right? So to begin to understand what is the difference between good and evil, well, I look at my own life and I go, my life is evil. The minute I look at God and I say, no, okay, I have rejected his sovereignty and I stand in a place of judgment. So that's a problem. And there's no, even if I live the rest of my life perfect, I've still failed to make a payment. I've incurred a debt that I, I have no capacity to repay. So I'm not looking at other people like, well, I'm good, but they're really, that's really a bad person. I'm not good. I'm what's wrong with the world. Me, Joseph, <laughs> right? Is that GK Chesterton? Chesterton? Is that right? Didn't that, he say that? It might be. In, an, in yeah, a I, news, uh, what was it? I've heard that line quoted quite a few times. Um, I think it was G.K. Chesterton. Am I saying his name correctly? Is that right? Yeah, and I remember, I think Greg Kokel mentioned that. Somebody called in and said, I'm what's wrong. Yeah, you know, what's wrong news, news article. Yeah. 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 So I, think, I look at it as evil. It's like, well, the first is the emotional problem. And, just, and then you can start to bring some counsel in. You know, before you really take a deep dive into like the logical problem of evil. Um, mm -hmm. But we have to start with that emotional thing, come alongside, find out where they are on those stages and just support them and say, we've got a God in Jesus Christ who's who suffered beyond anything that we can have any, any imagination. God poured out his wrath. The wrath for all eternity was poured out on Christ himself. And he, he took that. He descended to hell. He, he paid the price. He had to pay the price, and he did so for us. Um, so we have a God that we, that who, who can truly identify with us. And in fact, he just loves us. But and, if he loves us, Joseph, why doesn't he stop it? Why doesn't wow. he stop? Uh, you know, you were mentioning Honduras. What? This all sounds good. I'm going to totally push back. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> but I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, well, what? If, it sounds good, but what about the person who, you know, is living in poverty and can't make ends meet and has to choose which child to feed? Or yeah. what about, you know, the person who's rounded up by the Gestapo, you know, in, in the 1940s Germany, or, or whatever it is? How how does this bring comfort? I, I think what you're saying about Jesus suffering and having known what it's like um, is part of that. But um, 
it's one thing to theoretically know, you know, yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, God is God and I'm not. And, you know, the line between good and evil runs through my heart. That's the line I stole from somebody. <laughs> but um, it's another thing when you're going through a really hard time to feel like uh, he's there in the pit with you and he cares when he could, which is what Gracie said. Why doesn't he stop it when he could? Why doesn't he stop it when he could? How do you speak to that? That's such a good question. Um, I think first of all is when we think about when God made our reality, when he, when he laid all this out because he's an omniscient God, he knew that he was creating a world and he knew that he was creating mankind with, with, with free will. So he knew the risk and he made provision for the risk, right? When he talks about Jesus, the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the earth, because if it is truly about love, then love requires freedom. Okay. So if I, I see my wife at a cookout and I go up to her, my future wife at a cookout and I go up to her and I'm like, Hey, you want to go out with me? And she's like, no. Okay. Well, I walk away Then I go get a drug and I slip it in her drink. And I, and I ask her, Hey, you want to come home with me? She's like, yeah. Okay. Is that love? Right? No. Right. No, it's not. Right. So love, love requires some freedom. And unfortunately that freedom that Adam and Eve had broke reality. And it introduced a curse. But God, even from the very beginning, he began to make a pathway to return back to him and, and back to who he was. We see a lot of things in the earth that that require suffering. Um, disciplining my own children, right? We see small areas of suffering there, right? They're, they're not pleased when punishment comes their way. But we know ultimately it's for the right thing. Um, even you want to get you're going to get bigger and stronger you're going to the weight room and you're you're it requires a bit of suffering right to run to get in shape but you see that there's a result there's many things in life that we see where suffering is involved but actually produces a good result in order to understand the omniscience of god and all how many of you know somebody that you went somebody that went through a very very difficult time but came out with amazing levels of growth and amazing understanding, right? There are some things that are only learned in the fire, in that hot crucible. And so to ask why does God is a very difficult question, but it's easier to understand when you really begin to press in to the omniscience of God, that he knows all things and that he truly loves and that he will be just. He will mete out justice. He has all eternity to make every wrong right and to wipe every tear in the way because he may have an ulterior motive for allowing even a large degree of suffering in some instances. Hmm. Yeah, I've had people on this podcast before to address this question, and it's it's a universal one, right? I think that... Um, I've really appreciated at times the conversations where it's been like, yeah, that's the problem. The, the problem of suffering, that's that's the big problem. But one of the things that I've heard over and over again, Joseph, is it's an even bigger problem um, if you don't believe in God. And I think that that has been um, 
for me having these conversations as the host of this podcast, that's been, that's made a lot of sense to me. You know, I, we host exchange students from all over the world. Some of them come on this podcast. In fact, we'll be hearing from some of them later this year. Um, but if you take away God, then what is suffering? You know, that's a fantastic question. Um, when I look at that question, that one is actually easier for me. If someone's just looking at me and saying, well, it's, it's not. Having a God is incompatible. It's logically incompatible with suffering and evil. So I guess if I'm going to my tactics, the first thing I'm going to ask is, well, what do you mean by evil? Can you define evil? Well, you know, bad things. I'm like, well, no. What is evil? Well, that's when the struggle begins. They name types of things that are evil, but not actually evil themselves. And many times they get in a spot where they're like, I don't know, what will you say evil is? I say, well, evil is a privation. Evil is a lack of good. Anything, any deviation from good is evil. So if you're saying that's wrong over there, what you are in effect saying is it should be like that over there. Mm -hmm. Well, what is this good thing? If there is evil, evil is a privation. You can't have evil in the absence of good, mm -hmm. right? Because there's nothing truly to compare it to. You can't have evil by itself. It's like um, cold and heat, right? You can't have, you don't measure cold, mm -hmm. right? You measure, you measure the amount of heat. Cold is the absence of heat or light, light. for that matter, right? Yeah. Yeah, light, you don't measure darkness, but you can you can measure candle power. So darkness is just the absence of it. It's a privation. So when someone says, well, there's 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 evil in the earth, okay, well then how do you ground it? Where's the objective good standard? Does it come from government? Does it come from human flourishing? How do you ground this good or evil? Um, unless someone's a nihilist, unless someone says, I literally do not believe in God and I believe there's no such thing as good and evil. They're all just, they're all just common things, right? They're all just cultural things that have grown over time through evolution, right? Yeah. But, but that could be addressed as well. Suffering doesn't exist then, right? Because it's just uh, an evolutionary adaptation, right? Yeah, whatever. It's survival of the fittest, right? Strongest survive the weak don't. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And and we can tell as a human experience that suffering does exist and there's something in our spirit that hates it. That it hates is. it. Yes. And I, I think the hope that we have as believers is that like what you're saying, God is, you know, all powerful, all knowing. He's perfect. And his story it's a lot bigger than this tiny little bit that we can see. And you know, for somebody who's been through tremendous suffering on this earth, that is a hard pill to swallow. And I, I can't even imagine because I haven't walked through those shoes, sure. but it is, I remember hearing Francis Chan uh, speak years ago about this. He's like, if you could imagine what your life is, it's like, we imagine it like it's this big, long thing. No, it's this tiny little blip and eternity is this long. Then we wouldn't even, it, it wouldn't even be a, an issue. Right. Um, which is hard to understand, but I think something that also brings me comfort, Joseph, and I'm kind of talking on a tangent here, but is knowing that Jesus, whatever, and, and there's been a guest on this podcast, Josh White, he's a pastor in Portland who shared this before. 
whatever thing he's doing here, and he uses the word game, but I don't necessarily like that, like whatever God has done by allowing us here to, and allowing us to suffer even here on earth, he, he's played by his own rules. He came and he experienced it too. And like what you were saying, he knows exactly everything that we've, you know, the temptations we've had, the sorrows we've had, the rejection of people that we love, the, you know, betrayal of people we love, the humiliation, all of that he bore on himself. He took it all. And so I just find such comfort in knowing there's a lot of things I don't know. You know, I I do love apologetics. I think that you're right. You get a a little bit of it and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to know more. There's a lot of like amazing stuff out there and answers that we can know this side of eternity. But some of it is resting in the mystery of, wow, we serve an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-amazing, all-loving, all-justice-centered God who holds the whole world in his hands. Yes. He's going to right every wrong. He's going to heal every broken piece and he's going to set things right. And it just, that is a tremendous comfort to me. And I hope it is to somebody listening and Gracie, I hope that that is a tremendous comfort to you too. Some of the things that Joseph is sharing here. Um, Yeah. I, I think that it's an important thing to remember. And I think too, this kind of segues into another question that Gracie asked. And I, I'm not sure if if the Bible really speaks to this, Joseph, but I'd love to ask your thoughts on it. Like, sure. Um, Gracie asked, "What was God's role before He created everything?" You know, if and, and it was interesting. So I was listening to um, Frank Turek speaking at the university. I think it was the University of Vermont the other day, and he was talking about the Big Bang. You know, and somebody was asking, "Well, how did all that? Like, what happened before?" And he's like, "You know." in an instant, you know, space, time, matter, spoken in a moment. Before all that, God was eternal, the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end, no end. What was he doing? Do we know? Do we know what he was doing? Wow. You know, we really, truly don't. Um, When you look at all of our understanding, right, Um, it's based on natural law. And natural means based on nature, based on the laws, you know, of nature. So when we look at our universe, right? It's built in a four-dimensional space-time continuum, right? And inside of that is all mass and energy and and information. But prior to that, we have no point of reference. There's a few things I think that he said. He's, you know, I, you know, I, I, Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the earth. You're thinking, wow, okay, before he'd done all this, God had a plan in his head of what this reality was going to look like, it seems to me that he could have created all kinds of realities, but it seems like he created one where men have free will, right? And we're, we're allowed to be here. And all of this is set in a perfect balance, you know, for us to know him. And this is the huge invitation. The invitation is intimacy with him. You know, we get saved through what Jesus Christ did, that divine exchange. But Christ is saying, now, I want you to renew your mind. I want you to have my mind. Understand that the mind that created logic and reason and physics and all of these laws and all of these parameters for the universe to work and to continue to work, this same mind is saying, study me and have intimacy with me. 
think, learn to think like I think, reason like I think, see the logic that's superior. My ways are higher than your ways, but I'm, I'm opening the door and I'm giving you an invitation to learn of me. Because through the knowledge of God, faith isn't like a, a Disney wish, right? Faith is placing your trust in what you have good evidence and reasons to believe is true. God has said all these things through the ages, and he's made good on every single prophetic word, every single prophecy. If we can trust him all that way, then we can trust him for the last few things that he says. So faith is that tool that lets us reach out to these things that we're hoping for and put handles on it and make it an essence, make it real and pull it to our heart. So in the midst of suffering, this type of understanding of who God is and what he's done brings us comfort because we're not just wishing that there's a God out there, but no, we have good evidence and reasons to believe that there's a God out there who's going to 110% honor every word and every promise that he's made towards us. Um. Joseph, you have some daughters who are around Gracie's age. And I, I know you also listen to Gracie's episode. Um, what encouragement do you give your daughters or maybe even Gracie here? Sure. Um, about, and, and you've definitely been doing that throughout this whole episode, but what are some things you would encourage them with? In terms of, I mean, you've got all sorts of stuff vying for your attention nowadays. <laughs> Gen Z, I, man, I mean, yeah. my kids are growing up too. It's like you got your TikToks, you got your Instagram, you got your peer pressure, you got boys, you got school, you got work, you have all these different things. Plus, you have all these social issues that you care about. You're seeing your friends, um, you know, all these different injustices. It, it's it's tough. It, it is really a is. tough place. And the world has a lot of different ideas which are contrary to what the Bible speaks about. We don't need to get into all of that. But I, I'm just wondering, what do you tell your girls and what would you tell Gracie? Well, specifically to Gracie, you know, I love what she said. You're, you're R-E-A-L. It's at um, Restoration. Um, is it excitement? Oh, eternity. Restoration, eternity. But the A? Wow. If uh, out of all of those letters, and then love is the L, but the mm -hmm. A, oh my goodness, that's for her to pick letter A is huge to me. Why? Because what you're looking at is truth. She's saying, I want to know what is real. I want to know what is true. Okay. And I say, Gracie, do not sell yourself short because God wants to teach you and show you what is true. He wants to be able to, number one, give you these answers, but you're selling yourself short when you think you can't know these things, when you can't study the word, when you can't, when you can't understand who he is. He's got so much available for you. There's so many people that will stand with you and partner with you and walk with you through these things to make you so incredibly just powerful, not only as a believer, but powerful just as a, as a thinker, right? Whose mind is set on God and set on God's things. He will give you a level of assurance that's, that's beyond all reason, right? And you'll, you'll get up, you'll wake up and your first thought 
will be to him. You'll be thinking about just some of the concepts of who God is. And you put a little bit of effort into it and God will more than meet you halfway. He'll begin to reveal his heart to you. He'll, he'll begin to reveal um, understanding with family members and with friends and he'll comfort you. And it won't all be about what you feel. Okay, the feelings come along later. Feelings are important, but feelings come along later. God will give you understanding. It says in uh, the Proverbs that wisdom just cries out at the gate for someone to pause, just be still and listen, to take some time to get in his word, to find to find one of these apologetics chapters and just go meet with like-minded believers because you'll find that you're not the only one this is, man, I don't read. I just, I just can't get anything out of the word. Girl, God has so <laughs> much in store for you and he loves you and he so wants to share, you know, his life and his heart and his mind with you. Don't sell yourself short. He's, he's gentle and he's meek and he will meet you 110% where you are. But you've, you've got to take that step. You've got to make yourself available to him. Trust me on this. He will, he will take you places um, in your heart and in your mind in intimacy that you you never dreamed that you could go, and he'll give you assurances, right, and hope like like you've never seen. You won't be wishing anymore or really writing anything that's not him. You're going to meet him and see him for who he is, and that is the jewel that's that's really worth finding. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And there's a lot of different apologetics ministries out there. Um, I think of Ratio Christi is a great one for yeah. at college campuses across the United States and beyond, I think. And uh, like what you're saying, Stand to Reason, Cross-Examined. Um, Jay Warner Wallace has a lot of great resources. We'll link all of that in there. But Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I love that Gracie asked great questions that I think a lot of people do ask. Uh, the question about, you know, what was God doing before he created everything? I think it's a great question. I've never heard it before, but I think sure. it shows that she cares about those things and they, mm. she's wrestling through some of this stuff and you're not alone. Uh, there's a lot of people who do, and I know I've done that and I still do. There's still questions I have about different things. And I think that, um, you know, you, we were even talking about that before we pressed record about, oh, I heard this. I want to go dig deeper and find out more about this. And um, we're on an endless learning. But, um, man, as long as we keep our focus on uh, the Lord, man, there's so much that we can find and uh, such is. a richness to relationship with him. We'll um, never stop never learning. Ending. That's right. That's you know, we'll right. go into his presence and we'll look at him like the angels and just... He'll yeah. pour revelation into us and we'll just fall on our face and be like, holy, you're so holy. And then we'll come back to earth and do our job and have, did you, that was an awesome service, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we get to go right back into his presence, you know, just amazing things that God has prepared, you know, for us. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I try not to think about it too much because I'm pretty sure whatever I imagine is en enough, but sometimes I think that um, in eternity, there's got to be this amazing library, you know, like the most beautiful library you've ever seen. And it's got video of all the world's greatest hits, you know, or that you can see what actually wow. happened as it played. Um, cause you know, whatever we can create here on earth is nothing compared to what God can do. Um, True. but anyway, 
I <laughs> sometimes I get lost in that imagination. Um, Joseph, final question here. I ask it of everybody. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things. Um, all things that as a believer, I believe we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. We can certainly find other things, but um, of those specific things, restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love, which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I'm with Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> authenticity. You know, honestly, because if, Christian, if the Christian worldview is not true, I'm gone. I'll go find something that is true. I want the authentic word. I want to know what is right and what is true. And that's why I pursue, you know, what it is that I pursue. But the deeper that I go through, the deeper that I, I, I learn apologetics and I learn some of these reasons, I see that the Christian worldview is the best explanation for reality. It just simply is. It's one unique, totally cohesive argument. You can argue it from a philosophical standpoint, from a theological standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, from just the standpoint of a human experience. It answers all the questions. It checks all the boxes, right? I'll say of questions that can be answered, right? It certainly answers those questions. And it's just powerful. Not only is it, do you get the experience, you get an experience doing all kinds, you can get experience going to a rock concert right? But Christianity is the only faith that you can go back and you can find the evidence and you can find the reasons that support it in all of these facets. So for me, I want to be authentic. I don't want to have to make something up and cut corners in my mind. You know, I want something that satisfies and believe me, God satisfies. He just pours and pours and pours into you. Just a little bit you walk towards him, he pours into you. So I'm a letter A. Authenticity. <laughs> awesome. Well, if we have you on here again, we'll have to find out if it stays the same or not. <laughs> yes, I would depends. love to. Yeah, it depends all the time. But Joseph Robinson, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, You're most welcome. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.